Good afternoon, everybody. You are listening to Spirit Live Radio. My name is Nick Robinson, and you are listening to Take to Take with myself, Luke Burrows, and Patrick Tallon. It is uh, Tuesday, March the 5th, and we've got a bunch of topics here in the NHL to go over today. It's been a pretty busy week post-trade deadline. We had a pretty action-packed episode last week, but uh, we're excited to get things going this week. Pat, yeah, what do you got for good. us today? Well, so far we're going to talk about, well, for starters, Ted Lindsay passed away. Uh, he was 93, and I think it's worth noting that his contribu- contributions to the NHL were pretty significant. Um, so just to start, our thoughts are with the Lindsay family. Uh, moving on, we touched well, on an athletic... If, if you wanted to talk about Ted Lindsay a bit more, I think I think it should be worth noting that uh, you know he was the founder of the NHLPA and the legacy that he left on the game, and uh, he is one of the best left-wingers of all time. Obviously, his number seven retired by the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Nine-time All-Star, very, very important piece, and I think he's underrated a lot of aspects from uh, historical players around that era because there was so much talent and uh, obviously a true great of the game. So I I guess now we can sort of jump into our controversial topics as uh, our thoughts are with the uh, Lindsay family and all those affected. Uh, So I think um, one of the most uh, notable pieces of... Uh, news from the last week was the Athletic ran their player polls. Um, now, this is the first time the Athletic has done this. Usually, I believe it was done by um, the NHLPA. Uh, I know that was on NHL.com last year, and I'm not sure if they're going to do it again this year or if they've handed it off to the Athletic. But nonetheless, the Athletic has completed uh, a number of questions uh, to uh, a number of um, nearly 200 players, 198, uh, both Western and Eastern Conference teams, um, uh, sort of covering uh, all areas of uh, player opinion and whatnot. So we can uh, we can definitely go through these here. There's a number of, um, you know, sort of questioning topics. Uh, the first being uh, who is the best all-around player in the NHL today? Uh, number one, Sidney Crosby, 48%. Number two, Connor McDavid, 25%. Number three, Patrice Bergeron, 11%. And both with 4%, Alexander Barkov and Nikita Kucherov. Uh, thoughts, gentlemen? I feel like I would put Matthews somewhere in there. Yeah, I, that that's obviously fair to put Matthews in there. I think uh, it just goes to show what a pedestal Sidney Crosby really is still on in the eyes of the entire league. The fact that uh, McDavid isn't number one, even though I think a lot of you know people like us, sort of people who view it with like in the media, sort of think Sydney or uh, Connor McDavid rather would be in that number one spot. But uh, yeah, it just shows how much respect the entire league does have for Crosby. I'd probably have McDavid up there uh, personally, just because of how great he is, what an impact he truly has. That's not to understate Crosby's impact at all, but uh, yeah, I it, it's an interesting poll. Who did you want to? Who would you? Uh, who would be your pick, Pat? I think it's tough, but the Crosby McDavid debates is something that's going to go on for quite some time. I think people, yep. in terms of overall skill, you can't put anyone above McDavid. What he does is just unbelievable. But in terms of accomplishments and just the way Crosby turns it on in the playoffs, I think he'll always be at number one until McDavid finds that playoff success. And for you, Luke? Well, um, I mean, I would, I would probably the top two, maybe even top 
uh, no top two I'm, I'm probably pretty comfortable with but something that uh, jumps out at me why is the player who uh, is leading the league in points by 12 points right now um, Nikita Kucherov why is he seen as fifth uh, I mean, we don't know who sixth or seventh is, but why is he placed at fifth right now with 4% of the votes? I mean, obviously he's playing on a good team, but does that really matter? Do you think um, us as fans are missing out on something there that the players do see? Perhaps. Like, I th- it, again, I think it's just an obvious respect thing. I think Sidney Crosby had such a lasting impact in the league for so long that it's hard for some guys to not vote him in that Uh one for me, I guess it's my fanboy coming out, who I'd consider in that the best all-around player is Eric Carlson. But uh, that's uh, that's probably a in-depth debate we could get into. I could probably go on for the next three it's not hours. Not really a hot take. I mean, I, w- I would definitely put him in the top ten. Yeah, obviously, I'd have him in there for sure. In terms of defenseman, the best all-around defenseman, that's who I'd have. But well, uh, that all-around is, player, I'd have him. I'd have him up there. That is intra- Eric Carlson. You're talking about. Yeah. That's uh, interesting when we get to question number four. But uh, moving on <laughs> to question down, number two, um, Patrick, you'll probably enjoy this one. Game seven of the Stanley Cup final, who do you want starting in goal? Number one with 28%, Carey Price. Number two with 16%, Marc-Andre Fleury. Number three with 15%, Andre Vasilevsky. Number four with 7%, Jonathan Quick. And number five with 6%, Braden Holtby. Um I would uh, I would generally agree with the results. Um, I would maybe see Flurry a bit higher. I mean, he's proven year after year in many different situations that he can perform in the playoffs. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I would put Flurry at number one over Carey Price. Yeah, I'll hold off my uh, thoughts on Flurry till a couple of questions down the road. Same with Quick, but. Uh, Guy I'd have right up there is Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe was absolutely stellar in the playoffs last year. I still think back to that save he made in Vegas. Yeah, I know it was a I know it was a game two and not a seven, but that that is still the best save I have ever seen from any goalie in my life. And he seems to turn it on in the playoffs every year. Uh, whenever the Capitals have their shortcomings, like historically before last year against the Penguins, I would never associate that with. Uh, Braden Holpe shortcomings, so I definitely have them up there for me. But uh, I think my number one would be Carey Price. I don't know. I think in terms of Carey Price, I don't see him carry the way he plays in the regular season to the playoffs. Just the number of times he's been in the series. Obviously, the Chris Kreider injury. People kind of argue that if he was wasn't injured, how that series would have gone. Uh, I still think the Rangers would have beaten them. But I think overall, I've been more impressed with Mark Andre Fleury. I think he turns it up a notch. Uh, more so than I've seen Carey Price do that, but that's not to take anything away from from Carey Price and and obviously his stellar play. All right, moving on. Moving on. Uh, so question number three, uh, who is the most underrated player in the NHL? And this one is interesting, uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But number one with 26%, uh, with the massive lead, Alexander Barkov. Number two, um, Nicholas Baxter with 8%, and also with 8%, Braden Point. And number four, Jared Spurgeon with 6%. And number five with 5%, Mark Giordano. And I find this interesting because if you go back to question one, the number four selection for who is the best all-around player in the NHL is Alexander Barkov, but he was also ranked at number one for the most underrated player in the NHL. So um, that's a little interesting that uh, someone who the players deem so overwhelmingly underrated is also a 
you know, number four in the in the voting for best all around player. I just, I, you know, if someone's underrated, I wouldn't see them in the top five. But uh, Patrick, do you I, have something? I to think say? you just look right to the market in, to which he's playing in. I mean, his development was a little bit skewed. He only had twenty four points in his first season, followed by thirty six. But then he kind of jumped uh, 60, 52, 78 uh, two years ago, and then so far. Uh, 68 points in this season. I feel like he doesn't get enough conversation, uh, both offensively and defensively. So I'd say that he's definitely one of the more under- underrated players in the league. Yeah, for me, uh, Alex Barkov is like we. I think everybody knows sort of is starting to get to know what a truly effective player he is. Dominant at both ends of the ice, obviously, and I think he's going to be a silky front runner for probably the next decade. Like he's a he's a great player and. Um, for me, I see it. He's gotten a lot of uh, good media coverage this year. Like, I bring it back to sort of, I think, December. And uh, I think the Maple Leafs were in Florida on a Saturday night. And uh, they were sort of discussing a lot about Barkov and how underrated he is before the game. So I think it's good that he's getting that media coverage. Obviously, Toronto being like the prime market in one of the prime markets, at least in Canada right now, with all the attention around them. So I think it was good that he got that sort of attention exposure. But I think the more we talk about how underrated it, he is, it loses its value yeah, almost. Yeah. And it's kind of like a weird backwards effect. Um, for me, I sort of like the two guys on that list, um, Braden Point and Mark Giordano. Uh, Braden Point, for me, I think sort of gets underrated by the uh, teammates he plays with and Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. There's so much talent on that Tampa Bay team. I almost think he gets overlooked a lot. And Giordano obviously has been uh, very quietly one of the top de- 10 defensemen in the NHL now for the better part of a decade. So uh, I think this year especially he's getting a lot more respect that he does truly deserve. And yeah, I agree with that part on Giordano there. Do you think if this was done... Um uh, I guess a, a year ago or 10 months ago, do you think Giordano would even be in the discussion for uh, for this poll? Maybe. I like, He should, for sure. But I think this year, with Calgary being as good as they are, it's really been the coming out party. Like, uh, in, I'm trying to think what year, 2014-15, when Eric Carlson won in his Norris, I remember Mark Giordano being the front runner through about 55, 60 games that season. Then he got hurt and he missed the rest of the season. And only then did I think, okay, Eric Carlson can win the Norris here. Obviously, I thought that was the year Giordano was probably going to get it. So um, I think this year, with Calgary being as good as they are, I think team success always helps a player's case in that sort of conversation. All righty. So we're going to jump over question four. We'll loop back to that. Uh, Question five, which coach, aside from your own, would you most want to play for? Uh, tied for first uh, with both 23%, John Cooper and Gerard Gallant. Uh, number three with 11%, Barry Trotz. Number four with 6%, Paul Maurice. And uh, number five also with 6%, John Tortorella. And that is also interesting when we uh, get on to the next question. But um, uh, what do you guys think? Cooper and uh, Gallant are, you know, uh, pretty far ahead there. Do you think that's a that's a safe bet coming from? No, I, I think Gallant, I feel like no one really understood his value going in before Vegas, being in Florida, and then being the assistant in Montreal. Um, I liked the way he, from reports, he was mo- mostly a player's coach, and uh, he, he got the message along pretty well, and then I feel like no one knew enough about him going into Vegas, and then once he finally, you know, that team, the Cinderella run, um, people weren't sure if it would be sustainable this year, and he's showing once again, obviously the additions of Pacioretty and, and Stone, but 
that he's getting the best of every single player on that team. And um, I, I think in terms of how I've seen him conduct himself in interviews and in between periods in the room and stuff like that, I feel like he's definitely someone I would, I'd want to play with. Um, the other one is Barry Trotz. I think moving from the Capitals to the Islanders, the way he's sort of fixed that system that was sort of broken under their previous coach. Um, the Islanders now proving to be one of the better teams in the East now because I think you have to give a lot of the credit to Barry Trotz. So I definitely say those two. Yeah, I think Gerard Gallant really had his coming out with Vegas. I think he, I thought he was a good coach before in Florida, and I think he really got the uh, the rough end of things there with uh, their analytics movement that was very, very brief. And Just his departure was awful, too. Yeah, in 2016-17, I think he got really the short end. And like you said, his departure was just it was pretty unclassy from the organization and stuff like that. He didn't really get the respect that he sort of merited. And I think last year in Vegas, like I think everybody knew it was a coup from the beginning that – Vegas was able to snap him up, and uh, I think he's proving what a good coach he is. So he'd be my number one. Alrighty. So um, now, moving on to which coach would you not want to play for? This is interesting because looking at um, John Tortorella receiving six percent in the last poll, do you think that's because um, he's a good coach or because he's a uh, interesting coach? Um, I mean. Obviously, there's some controversy there, but he is listed fifth overall in the which coach would you most want to play for and first overall with 30% in which coach would you not want to play for? Yeah, it's really interesting, John Tortorella, on that because uh, obviously the guy's got a bit of a rep for being hard to play for. He's uh, he's pretty out there in the media and stuff like that. Anything around John Tortorella can end up being a total circus, but uh, I can see why players wouldn't want to play for him, but... Uh, he does have a decent track record, obviously, a Stanley Cup with Tampa, that being now like 15 years ago. I know, but uh, he has run some pretty good teams. He's done a pretty good job with Columbus besides the fact that they haven't won a playoff series, but I wouldn't put that too much on his shoulders. Um, I can see sort of both sides of this. I can see wanting to play for him because of that track record, but I can see not wanting to play for it because you know, you make one mistake and uh-huh. you can end up like poor Anthony Duclair called out in the media the next day pat you got anything i, I on feel it? like his I, yeah i feel like people look back to how he was in the rangers um calling out the reporter you know asking if he got beat up at the bus stop and stuff like that i feel like people <laughs> look at stuff like that and feel like you wouldn't want to play for him but like you said you can argue both sides uh being so demanding and just kind of always yelling he would get the best of his players he also calls it like his is like it is he doesn't really beat around the bush you know so yeah we sucked tonight and it was that was it and he said my fault player's fault everyone's fault he kind of just admits to it he doesn't really try to negate what the actual issue was so I mean it can go both ways I wouldn't want to play for him um I feel like he's the kind of more on the old school side where if you make a mistake he'll call you out or put you on the fourth line and I feel like at the end of the day when a team is struggling I feel like he's more likely to bring the rest of the squad down than, than pull them up as we've seen with other coaches but again I'm Luke you're well yeah what what's interesting there is you reference his days with the Rangers and um it just he hasn't changed in in all those years um you know with new york and then vancouver uh he was the exact same that infamous game against calgary where he uh that was just that was a mess he yeah i don't want to talk about that one but and then he goes to columbus and he's the exact same so he must be thinking he's doing something right or i mean there's got to be something there that makes him want to keep going I think we're going to segue into what he... He was interviewed a couple about a week ago 
uh, about three on three, and his take was that they should eliminate the shootout and do three on three till someone got, dies because it's just like exciting hockey. I Your really thoughts? like that Brunt I take. I like how Brunt he is about it, and I love that take. Just do it till somebody dies. Enough with the shootout. I'm fortunate enough that I've watched enough Sanders games this year, and they have not had to play a single shootout this season, which is interesting. Only two teams in the league, Ottawa and Toronto, have not played a shootout. So I've been pretty blessed to not see the shootout. They, I mean, when they decide to show up for games, the Suns, uh, and they somehow get them to overtime uh, at least there's been a definitive conclusion there haven't had to see anything go past the shootout but uh i really do like those comments and i would like how brunt he was about it it's a good take well yeah like i'd love to see three on three overtime everyone loves three on three overtime but just logistically i don't think the nhl can do that i i don't think the nhl i mean the playoffs is a different story but to have those games where i mean the chances are slim but there's always a chance the game could sk- could just keep going. Yeah, I mean, the point of three on three overtime, I get, is that it's um, it's gonna it's gonna end quick, and it. I mean, obviously the numbers compared to when they did five on five, it's ending much faster. But just, I mean, getting into semantics logistically, I yeah. don't think the NHL could could allow that to happen. And when three on three was first introduced, uh, the first thirty or so games when it was still new to the players, uh, I think it was seventy percent of those games were decided in overtime within the first minute. And then the latter half of that season, um, it was either decided within the last minute or over 50% of them went into a shootout. So we've kind of seen teams change their style to play, depending on the coach, obviously, play more defensively or just kind of go all in offensively. Um, So yeah, there is that possibility that a team just gets drained from playing 10 minutes. But I think that just goes to show that you have to win as a team and lose as a team. It's not so much a skill competition. I get the shootout ends it faster but i feel like for the fans and for the players there's more uh integrity to to winning in in, in overtime Alrighty, so we can um we can breeze through these last few before we loop back to the most overrated player but uh worst city to visit on the road winnipeg first followed by buffalo ottawa edmonton carolina um I mean, I would agree with most of those. Maybe yeah, not. Winnipeg. Worst city? Winnipeg in terms worst of city to visit on the road. Yeah. A, you go to that building and it's just difficult to play in, and B, because it, it's Winnipeg. It's Winnipeg. It's cold. And they don't have an airport. They what? Nothing. Never mind. They don't have an airport. They don't have an airport. This is um, a hockey show. Is it true. Which team has the best fans? Wait, Gold. I think you missed one. I think you missed one. You missed. Uh, what is the most fun city Sorry, to visit yeah. on the road? Vegas with twenty six, followed by Nashville, Chicago. Vancouver, which surprised me, uh, yeah. and New York. I'm not sure. Would that be the Rangers? That's probably That's the Rangers. Probably the Rangers. No, nobody, nobody wants <laughs> to go to Brooklyn wanna... to watch yeah. an Islanders game. But <laughs> I, I can totally see Vegas. Every time I see them on TV, that looks like so much fun. I definitely, yeah. definitely need to go to a game in Vegas soon because they look like a hell of a lot of fun. I also need a Mark Stone Vegas jersey to go <laughs> i yeah I, i'd agree i think i'd say vegas or nashville um vegas in the playoffs doing the pregame shows with the Knights, oh my god all that so stuff fun. and i think that's that's important for the fans and i feel like going to see a game there um would just be a surreal experience same thing to us for nashville we've seen their electric playoff atmosphere catfish baby yeah the chance um they fill up the streets they had concerts shows everything and i think we need a little bit more of that in the nhl as we've seen it sort of more old school and and people kind of criticized the the shows that vegas did and stuff like that but i definitely say that those two cities are the most fun to play in 
Alrighty. Uh, before I jumped ahead there, which team has the best fans? Uh, Golden Knights, 28%, followed by Canadians, Predators, Jets, Blackhawks. And that's interesting because... Um, I think I mean, that's a little bit of uh, recency bias yeah. from the fans well, there. Yeah, and it's... I mean, the Jets must have very, very good fans seeing their they fourth do. and well, the best play- fans. Yeah. And then... Uh, they're in the top five for worst place to visit yeah, on the road. Yeah. So for me, it's well, uh, that was worst cities to visit on the road, not so much worst place to play. I though. mean, yeah, but I feel like those sort of go. Yeah, okay. I, I can. Vegas does look like a pretty difficult p- building to be in. I mean, they've won. I think it's. I think they have a six forty three win percentage here. I think the article says in seventy three games. That's really impressive. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is the Vegas flu <laughs> or the just the mystique surrounding it versus the fans. Like Obviously, they do have good fans, and they should be slowly rising consideration. I don't know about the best fans yet. I still, for me, I put the Blackhawks, the Predators, and the Jets in that conversation. Not the Canadians. I'm sorry, the Habs, <laughs> I guess, too, but... I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't like I'm gonna the be called, chance. I'm going to be called biased, but I'm going to say yes, the Habs just are. because the playoff atmosphere, it's so electric. Um the way that city treats that sport as a religion, how electric it gets at the Bell Center. But again, that's not to take anything away. Everyone from says Vegas. that in the playoffs. So everyone says their building gets electric in the playoffs. I can't. Like, I don't think you can say that about every single building. No. Is that a hot take? You know, yeah, even Florida does well when they do get into when the playoffs. The like, I'm pretty sure everybody does no, pretty well. Yeah, in the everyone does well. But I feel I don't know. Again, I'm gonna be called biased, so I feel like we should just move on to the next yeah. topic. So hey, all right, Pat, Pat, you're biased. Yeah, that was kind of biased. But. Yeah. All right, okay. next one. Uh, which team has the worst fans? Do we, uh, do we even bother? Yeah, this not one? surprising. <laughs> yeah. With 48%, and I think that's the highest number on any of these polls yet. Uh, don't quote me on that. With 48%, the Florida Panthers, followed by the Arizona Coyotes, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, Philadelphia Flyers, which I found sort of interesting. Yeah, I, well, I guess I guess because the Flyers yeah. fans, I guess that one but is not because is that, of but the fact that they don't sell the building. I think that's just because Flyers fans literally are not nice. Bad fans. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what so was, was this... it when they threw the wristbands on the ice? Oh yeah, and they oh, were going to they were going to get a penalty for it. Yeah, yeah, somebody had just passed away, and that was it. The owner oh. was it. The was it. Oh man, what was the owner's Ed Snyder? But even that, there was the racist incident with. PK Subban, someone threw a banana on the ice, stuff like that. Like, it's yeah, not, it's just it's terrible. not new for them. But is this is this the worst fans, like lowest attendance well, or worst? Yeah, behavior? so I think the top three: Panthers, Coyotes, Hurricanes. Those are obviously, um, you know, attendance issues. But the Flyers, who was after them, and then the Islanders. It, it was Ed Snyder's well, death. Was by the that way, that poll after the, okay, okay. Yeah. thing on was the Islanders' result after Tavares' return? Assuming to, before. Yeah, I'm going to assume before. Just so it's a mix of attendance and behavior because Philly has no problem with attendance. No, yeah, they, and, they don't. Have and a again, the Islanders only have three percent here, so it's. Okay. I mean, the I'm Islanders assuming... do have a problem with attendance in Brooklyn, but I also At Nassau like Coliseum is a different story. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a big that's... difference with the arena change because there's the sight lines there are just brutal. So, but uh, after the Tavares thing, I, and I'm sure we'll brush on it later, yeah, but I, I would put them up there with the best fans. That was great. I wish yeah. more teams would do it, but. Yeah. Luke, uh, our next question. Uh, so they get into just um, two more general polls here. Yes or no. Should the NHL's current playoff format be changed? 60% yes, 40% no. That surprised me. I would have thought there would have been more for yes. I thought um, going back to the one to eight uh, rankings would have been a popular idea, but um, I guess not. There was even a uh, there was even a suggestion where division... Uh, division winners get to, or you know, 
top seeds get to pick who they play. Um, personally, I don't agree with that, but that's an interesting th- thought. Th- this just in, 60% of Leafs p- fans and players think the playoff format should be changed. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> For me, um, I've always said they should go back to the one verse eight. I liked the one verse eight. I think some people who suggest one verse 16, I think that's a bit too drastic. I like the separate conferences. Go back to one verse eight personally. But I don't think it was... This wasn't a conversation until last year when the Leafs had to yeah, play the Bruins. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, this wasn't at all. But a topic. that makes sense though, because they're going to finish yeah. third in the league roughly and still play a team that's better than them in the first round. I, I can see their side of the argument. I just don't. But think. It, it was never brought up it until they never made brought the up. Yeah, that's then. fair. That's like fair. N- nobody brought it up when they had to play Washington. Yeah, nobody that's said, fair. Nobody said, "Wow, Ottawa has to play Boston the first round. Better change the playoff format." That's true. I didn't hear it, but um, I don't, I I don't like the idea of picking teams though. I love how there's no Leafs fans here to defend themselves. Great. <laughs> All right, Luke, next question. Uh, number 12, should NHL players play in the Olympics? 99% for, 1% against, uh, one single voter said no. Uh, and uh, um, I want to know who said I, I want to no. know Well, who yeah, said no. he said no, um, just he doesn't like the stoppage of the season. You can't take three weeks off, quote-unquote, uh, from the Eastern Conference, who... Um, who do you think it was? Okay, I'm I'm seeing my, my mind's like tangling here. I'm seeing a third line grit guy who plays for like probably a, just a middling team that might squeak into the playoffs. He's probably making more money than he's worth or something. I don't know. And then he's like, no, can't can't have it interrupt the well, season. Well, that's actually that's another good point. Who do you think they asked for? Like, uh, sorry, they think they had 198. Uh, do you think there was some kind of criteria on who they asked, or was it just sort of anyone who said, yeah, sure? I'm sure it was like decent players. I they know had to be like rounded up, and it was a different some. percentage of players that answered per question. So for number four, when we loop back to that, only 63% of the NHL players answered that one because it was sort of controversial. All right, and uh, speaking of controversy, do we want to get into it, Pat? Did you want to lead us into it? Because yeah. I know you do have you some strong it, thoughts. Yeah, on so this one we've um, saved it for last purposely. Okay, so this is sort of the more controversial one. Uh, PK Subban was voted most overrated player. Um, like I said earlier, only 63% of players polled actually answered this one. So according to a Western Conference rival, uh, he quote-unquote has a good shot, and that's about it. Um, so he was first on the list with 23%. Just underneath him was Patrick Laine with 9%, Aaron Ekblad with 6%, and Dion Phaneuf and Eric Carlson, for some reason, both tied at 4%. Um, I th- disagree. Obviously, I think a lot of the P.K. Subban being overrated comes from a lot of his off-ice stuff. Um, there was a tweet that actually went viral about um, P.K. Subban made a video because a certain player was targeted uh, like racist, racist behavior, and he made a video saying, you know, keep doing your thing. And a different video was shown of Carey Price hugging a kid whose mother had just passed away. The difference is Carey Price didn't post about it, so there was this huge controversy on Twitter saying how Subban has to do this stuff to get noticed price doesn't and i just think like his on ice contra- off ice contributions uh with the hospital you know he has his own tv show talk show i feel like stuff like that is why people point towards his overratedness less so much towards his play on ice um thoughts yeah i, I think or? there definitely is a in in north american professional sports in general i think there is like a, an underlying problem with racism still and it's unfortunate to see um especially with hockey being traditionally a what we what some people would say a white man's sport like that's what it has been that's what it's always been 
and it's unfortunate that you see things like that probably start to affect uh, the media and players' view of a guy like P.K. Subban because yeah. he's so out there. And I think that it, there has been talk of maybe that's what some of what contributed to his falling out and yeah. eventual trade out of Montreal. Like people have pointed well, towards that. So I think there definitely that, is an underlying problem in Montreal. I think, or sorry, not in Montreal, in the NHL with racism. I, th- I think just maybe not even to do with that. I just think Montreal, like the Montreal um, traditional fan base and the way that team works and a personality personality like P.K. Subban, I just don't think that mixes yeah. well. Well I, think, well, I think it would mix more now, but I think at the time it was Michel Tahian who was coaching and that didn't work at all. Um, that entire year was a mess. They went like 10-0 or 9-0 to start the season. And then there was uh, apparently a rift in the room with him and Pacioretty. He also found himself sometimes in little scuffles with multiple players multiple times. Um, and then throw that in, that was the same year when Pacioretty was voted by the team for captain. Subban wasn't, and everyone wanted Subban to be captain like in terms of the fans. Um, but I just feel like Montreal is one of the more crotchety old school organizations in the Absolutely. league. Absolutely. Um, for sure. It's more, they're, they have to hire a French GM. They have to have a French coach. Um, they're not willing to change into more a progressive style of thinking. Um, and I think that could have to do with, with Subban's departure. I just don't think it worked with Terry and who they fired a year later, but um, is there an underlying tone of racism? Maybe um, it's certainly possible, but I feel like, I still consider Subban underrated in terms of his his defensive play. Yeah, um, I, I think there that's definitely a point. I don't think he's overrated, or overrated at all. I think it this is just because of how out there he is with himself. Yeah, and there's and, not enough players like that. No, there's not, and that that's another problem with hockey. It's such an old school, yeah. traditional, like I said earlier, what people say is a white man sport. It's that there's no personality, and that's the problem a lot of people draw with the NHL compared to other North American professional sports because um, so many of them have these athletes that are so out there and they have these big personalities. But then when you get a guy like P.K. Subban in the NHL, which is so, uh, for some reason, focused on history and tradition and stuff like that, everybody's like, doesn't know and what to do because you've got this guy being out there. Yeah, and I understand the the problems people may have with it if it affects their on-ice performance, but that was never an issue for PK. No, not he at all. He turned on in the playoffs. Uh, Norris Trophy winner. Norris, yeah. You, the list is endless, so I mean... Well, in regards to his personality, I've always said, um, I've always thought, I mean, there's a lot of issues with the NBA, but I think the the one thing they, they're doing right is... Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why, but the way their players express themselves and um, kind of bring their own style of culture into the game, I think that's great. And I think Subban is doing that in a way in the NHL, but it's just not going over well, and I just think that's unfortunate. I, I think he's given more more leeway to do that stuff when Poyle brought him in. He said, I want Subban to be himself. I want to do his off-ice branding and stuff like that. Uh, it was Michel Therrien who who banned his triple low five with Carey Price when they do a win. He banned that because he, he, quote, said he wanted to humble P.K. Subban and make him a better person. And I feel like if that just seems like a bit of a stretch. And I think, yeah, it's it's, it, I think it, it goes back to the days in Montreal and how he was, wasn't given enough. His leash was too short and he wasn't treated properly by 
the coaching staff. But if we want to touch the rest of the list yeah. on here, um, like I said, Patrick Line, Aaron Ekblad, Dion Phaneuf, and Eric Carlson. Um, Nick, Eric Carlson's at 4% tie with Dion Phaneuf. Do you want to touch on that? I don't get that one at all. I think, yeah, it's bizarre. I think the Carlson injuries over the past couple of years, I think there is still this negative stereotype around him in general about his defensive play. And it's just simply untrue. It really hasn't been true since his second year in the league, and that was like 2010. It hasn't been true since that. Um, yeah, I I still think there's like some stereotyping around his injury too, with that ankle, obviously. And people think, okay, well, his ankle's hurt, so his play's going to decrease. And I don't think his play's decreased. I think uh, most analytics experts point to how dominant San Jose has been with him on the ice this year and how effective that team has been. He's really taken them to the next level. And, uh, you know, I gave my hot take to you guys uh, off air this week about my my feeling, and it has been for quite some time, that Eric Carlson is still uh, the best player in the NHL. I've thought that for years. And uh, so I don't think he's underrated or, sorry, overrated. I think people really slander on him, and that well, that's, I think if anything causes them to underrate his true impact on the ice. I I would agree with best defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, I'd have best to. Defenseman. I need to look more into like certain statistics with like McDavid and, and Crosby, Matthews, those players, to make that comparison. Oh, it's, it's also, a hot. It's a hot take. It's also hard me. to compare centers and defensemen, but sure. I will give you yes, best defenseman in the league by far. I think when you talked about his slander, I think that has to do with again the old school mentality of like defensive defenseman. He's too flashy. He's too flashy. Same thing about PK Subban. Um, and I think that that's what it has to do with, despite being the more offensive you are, the better you are defensively. I don't know why this is something that still has to be debated. Some people just can't seem to grasp that the more time you spend with the puck in the offensive zone, the better defense you're playing. Yep. And um, I, I, yeah, I'll give you the, that is a hot take, but I will give you the best defenseman. Defensive defensemen are a myth. Um, yes. I I agree. I, I don't think Eric Carlson should be on that list. I also don't think Dion Phaneuf should be on that list. Why? I, I don't think he's overrated. I think everyone knows he's not a good player. Yeah, well, I think GMs overvalue him. Yes, GMs. Well, for clearly sure. after what's happened. But. Yeah, it depends what it depends what uh, what perspective they're sort of looking at. Yeah. Like, do the players overrate Dion Phaneuf? Like, I don't know. I I don't know who would be overrating yeah, Dion I'm not, Phaneuf, I, especially at this I really, point in his like, career. I'm not saying that because I think he's a good player. I do not think he's a good player, but I don't think people think he's a good I, player I thought either, he so. was fine in the couple of years he spent with Ottawa. Just fine. Just. But if I ever had to watch <laughs> Dion Phaneuf and Cody Cece line up on the ice together again, I no good. I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here on air as I was today. Um... All right, so that pretty much concludes our just long review of the NHL player polls. Pretty interesting stuff, pretty interesting content. I always like seeing stuff like that with uh, what players really think about the game, where yeah, they can sort of the... express themselves. I wish there wasn't the like anonymous component to it. I understand why. I, I would just love like a groundbreaking, honest yeah. player to sit there, ridicule another player, or ridicule teammates like LeBron James does in the NBA. That would be super fun. Um, uh, if we want to segue, I think we've got to talk about the uh, probably one of the more entertaining aspects of the NHL this week, and that was John Tavares's return to New York at Nassau Coliseum uh, this past Thursday. And did you guys have some thoughts on what transpired there? I mean, you knew 
it was coming. They had that video, which was actually the cringiest thing I've ever seen. Um, it's like, oh, we're not upset, but you could tell that they were very upset that they lost John, John Tavares. Um, the issue that people had with it that I saw was that they shouldn't have booed. Uh, my view with this has always been the same. If you buy tickets to a game, you are allowed to cheer or boo or do whatever you please. For sure. Um, I think we shouldn't, while it was probably about 95% of Islanders fans, um, if you watch the video, there were some that stood up and actually applauded his time. He spent nine years there. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw Sean Avery's rant on Yeah, Twitter that was a little Facebook. that was a little much. Yeah, that yeah. was a bit much. Um I but like I don't uh, like with I agree I don't really agree, but I, I get why they booed. I don't like the throwing snakes on the ice. I don't like the throwing jerseys. I think stuff like that. I've never been a fan of the burning jerseys either. I think that should be a thing where you could donate it to charity, oh. something like that. But in terms of the chance, they were pretty creative and that was like a playoff game. And I don't know. Luke? I I just hope it was um, I just hope mob mentality had a lot to do with it. I feel like, I mean, I hope at least that if you sat down some Islanders fans and said like, okay, are you guys serious? Do you actually not, not appreciate John Tavares for what he did? And I don't know. I just think with, with all the emotion around it, maybe, um, it kind of got the best of them and they yeah. sort of let themselves go. But I really, I, I want to have faith in that fan base that, if uh, if they were to think about it, they would maybe uh, kind of. Well, I don't think it's so much not appreciating what he did. I feel like it's more about. Well, if you how... appreciate what he did, would you? No, but I think it. I think it was less about. They know how good he was for the team, and obviously they appreciate that. It was more about how he left and how. How did? How, what did he do? He didn't. What do you he, mean? No, how he left? No, because the 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 assumption was that he would resign, and then he signs with Toronto, and it's it's just sort of it does a disservice to the team when they could have made an effort to trade him. But again, I also believe that it's his. It's his right. He can sign he wherever he wants. He did nothing wrong. I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but you you have to look at it from the fans' perspective. I'm not an Islanders fan. I don't really care, but you can't blame them for being frustrated. I mean, maybe sure he he led them on slightly, but can you really say that in this kind of situation that, like, he, he didn't do anything? I think. I mean, obviously he didn't do anything technically wrong, but ethically, I think he he, he was, has every right to test the free market. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, like He's you, you can't CBA, you can't right? blame him for he can, for waiting no, until he can test the market, but you but you still have to realize that from the fans' perspective. Like, yeah, sure. If you maybe, expect him to resign, maybe and he doesn't. He, you'd be kind of mad. Maybe he hurt their feelings, but like, but you're really... losing a franchise player. Like, you expect the the assumption is that he resigns and he doesn't. What do you mean the assumption? Like the that was the assumption among the fans until okay, but. So I'm not look I don't I feel like we don't disagree as much as you think here. I think they had a goal. They wanted to see him resign and he didn't. So they're upset that he left. He left and he has every right to do that. Okay, That's not they, what this they is about. Okay, they they can maybe be upset, but can they be mad at him? Sure. I don't know. I'm not an Islanders fan. They can do whatever they want. I don't think they're justified in being mad at him. So if Elias Pettersson Oh, here we go. Was about to, was supposed to sign a long term deal, and he just. What leaves. do you mean supposed to sign? Like, there's never expected to. Okay, hold on. I think we're getting a little bit off topic here. Now we're bringing Elias <laughs> Pedersen into it. Let, yeah, let's just go over John like Tavares. That. Let's keep it on John Tavares. John Tavares, obviously number one overall pick from 2009. He was supposed to be the guy that led them to all the glory, and I will give John Tavares endless credit. He has been. He was my favorite player. He was the reason why I started watching hockey. He was my first favorite player in hockey, always my favorite non-Senators hockey player. And, you know, he scored big goals for them. 
I think back to that uh, series winner versus Florida. Obviously, he brought New York Islanders fans so much and gave them a reason to be reinvested in hockey because, let's be honest, that franchise was going absolutely nowhere before he arrived. Okay, then with the team sort of in a stagnant state like it has been probably since that Florida playoff goal a few years ago, they weren't doing much, and all the signs were pointing towards like that team being hard to fix, and I don't think they are as good as they are playing this year. No. Robin Leonard and Thomas Grace deserve all the credit. So I think, uh, but back to John Tavares leaving, obviously with the team being stagnant, why wouldn't you want to join your hometown team no, that's not, who's yeah. on the verge of such, like they're pretty close to greatness. I think if they can get it all together, like the Toronto Maple Leafs have every piece possible there to be a just great team like we saw with the Kings, Blackhawks, and Penguins throughout the early 2010s. However, I think the Islanders fans, yeah, they do have a right to feel pretty left behind, and they have a right to be pissed off at John Tavares for leaving. But it's what happens. When you are in a stagnant state like that, that's what happens with good players. They leave. They don't want to play anymore. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think think we agree. I feel like it's more... He has every right to leave, play for his hometown team. It makes sense to go to a yeah. better team. Toronto's going to win the cup. If they, like you said, if they get everything in order, um, improve their blue line a little bit, they'll probably win a cup in the next three to five years, no question. And he has every right to test the free market, um, a free agency. My main point originally was that you can understand why they'd be upset and why they would give him that treatment. But that being said, I feel like they needed to look a little bit at what was going on because they were showing videos of him with cancer patients and they were booing and yeah it, that's a bit much i think but, i think the islanders being good this year and playing over their heads i think this reception would be a lot different if the islanders play played this year how most pundits expected them to play yeah i think they would have cheered them next year when the islanders we'll maybe see. don't have nine thirty goaltending i want to see how much they Quote, to quote them, to quote their chance the other night, don't need John Tavares because I think they will be dying for a player like that. So uh, GM meetings are coming up over the next couple of weeks, and I think uh, Patrick and Luke, you guys had a quick yeah, little I rule, proposed rule that we little, want to talk about. Got a little update on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, per Renaud Lavoie, he tweeted, looks like players that lose their helmet during the game will have to go back at the bench quickly starting next season. They won't be allowed to play with their helmet on. Luke, you have a point on that? Well, just uh, out of interest, a few weeks ago, um, uh, after Vancouver had called up Brisbane to play uh, on their blue line amidst all their injuries, uh, he lost his helmet in the defensive zone and he immediately skated back to the bench because he is used to AHL rules where that is required and he was um, slightly made fun of for doing that. But um, there, were, there, were a lot, there was a lot of talk following that um why why doesn't the nhl have that same rule and i am i think that's i'm all for that I yeah don't i'm see all for any, it. I'm, I'm don't see any reason why not any, anything to prevent injury uh it they haven't the double ihf it's always worked i've always had no issue with it when watching the world juniors or in an international tournament i have absolutely no issue with that i think anything that can help us uh make the game you know more safe keep everything in check like that i i think it's pretty good um, so, so there's some more stuff coming up with the GM meeting. So obviously we talked about earlier, um, shootout and, uh, overtime that was talked about. 
Um, the NHL GMs are looking at a major crackdown on the obstruction on obstruction, hooking, and holding to open up the game. Now, for the purpose of flow of the game, would you guys like to see more penalties called on plays like that? What are your thoughts? Because I know a couple of years ago they made the big step in sort of cracking down on slashes anywhere near the hands, and that while you know it slowed things down really in preseason stuff at first i think it has sort of helped even though sometimes and in the playoffs weirdly it looks like it doesn't get called do you guys have any thoughts on that um i understand why and i think before there were a lot of slashes and, and hooks and stuff like that that went uncalled but i feel like now we're seeing too many calls um sometimes you're just your stick is beside someone's hand and it, it obviously the game's fast but they call it a slash um Obviously, it's hard. The game's too quick to catch all that. The bigger thing that I would be looking into is goaltender interference. I don't think anyone knows what goalie interference is at this point. That's another I think topic that's, they're going to be Yeah, discussing. that's the bigger issue, yeah. but um, I, I guess look look more into it. I the game more free. Though, was, was it just last year they they cracked down on slashing or whenever yeah, that it was? was last year. Last year yeah. That, I mean, obviously, I... I think it needs to happen. Like you see, you see those players protecting the puck, and they're just getting their forearms hacked at. But I think they went a bit overboard with that. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was can argue that, for that sure. was just a bit extreme. And as long as they don't uh, kind of go to that extent with uh, what'd you say, hooking and holding? Uh, any obstruction, hooking or holding? Okay, yeah. So I mean, obviously, just you know, be careful. Don't don't go down the same mm-hmm. path they did with slashing. That was a bit um, absurd. Other one being proposed is a uh, readjusting of the point system. So, th- for instance, three points for a regulation win. Your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm in favor. Yeah, yes, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of variables, but yeah, the, the basis of it I agree with. I don't like three points for a regulation win. I think just take away the loser point. Okay, that would be fair. what I yeah. would do. Yeah, Rather than or. just adding the extra point, yeah. still keeping at one point for or two points for an overtime win, I think then it starts to get like a bit hot doggy, yeah. a little bit too, uh, yeah. too off. So I think just eliminate the loser point altogether. Uh, I think that would be... Pretty good. Uh, the other one that they're talking about is uh, signing uh, the agreement between NHL and KHL players in terms of when you can sign them. Or so I think we're starting to see more nowadays with the KHL and uh, its wealth. You know, more RFA's like we've seen in recent years. Valerie Nachuskin being a prime example, uh, a guy that was pried on as an RFA. Um, I know the Canucks also had that big defenseman Nikita, Nikita Triankin, yeah. right? He went and jumped ship to the KHL. Um, I think overall for the better of the game, I think they'd need to sort of reevaluate that argument because I still think uh, there is still a bit of a gray area in between NHL and KHL. But uh, I do still find in general just Russian players get a bad deal in the NHL anyways, like we saw with Vadim Shipishev in Vegas last year. That was a pretty big disaster. Yeah, I thought he'd be a lot better he was stapled to be somewhere like a second or third line center i had him in my fantasy team that hurts that, that yeah, yeah I, I, I picked him i was i was expecting if the vegas golden knights were to be any good that guy was gonna be right in the center of it i thought he was better than william carlson for sure but uh one of them scored 40 goals <laughs> the other one didn't like quite last five games all right so uh look ahead to this week in the nhl 
Um, standings wise right now, we'll just go into it quickly. There's the big race starting to heat up in the East and West wildcards. Columbus Blue Jackets are slipping. They cannot seem to get it together after these big deadline acquisitions. What do you guys think about the Columbus Blue Jackets and their chances? Um, I mean, one and three now, two of possible eight points since the, since the deadline. I, I think I mentioned, I hope I mentioned it last week. I don't think, um, I don't think they're going very far this year. I don't even know if they make the playoffs. Yeah, I will. I, I know you're hoping, Pat, that they don't uh, they don't start to heat up or figure it out. Yeah, because... uh, it is a tight race right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, Montreal, Pittsburgh, Carolina, all within one to two points of each other. Montreal still in the playoff spot. Um, Pittsburgh matching up against Washington. Montreal matching up against Tampa. Uh, that would be rough. But uh, I'm hoping that Montreal can sort of keep their, their pace that they're going because I would love to see playoff hockey, but no, it's, it's tough. And I think it's, um, people didn't expect this for Columbus. Everyone said they were all in, but looking in the future, they now only have seven picks in this year's draft and next year's draft total two picks this year. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's sort of the price you pay, I guess, when you try to go all in, I mean, there's still time in the season left to, to turn around and hopefully couple some wins together. Yeah, and Luke, it looks like any uh, faint hope you had with Vancouver has sort of maybe uh, fallen yeah, out over the past couple last, weeks. Um, their last few games have kind of... Eight points back of Minnesota. Yeah, the bottom half of that Pacific division is really That's bad. That's so bad. Um, I was on the uh, KMN show last week, which you can hear tomorrow at uh, 11? 11. 11, is it? Yeah. And uh, I was just going on air to say how much I want the Arizona Coyotes to snag one of those wildcard spaces because of how much they've been through this year. And I think that would be great for the game over there and great for the league in general. All right, guys, Richardson for heart, Richardson for heart. Yeah. That four goal game last week. That was, uh, that was something, uh, against the former Canucks. Anyways, guys, we are running out of time here. Uh, thank you for listening to take to take here on spirit live, and we'll be sure to catch you all next week.